Hello and welcome back to Scarves Around the Funnel, the podcast dedicated to Heart of Midlothian, the club that this week has shown better timing than a Michael Smith interception for an opposition through ball as the Jambos made a huge decision just in time for our show today. I am Laurie Dunsire on this Friday afternoon stroke morning recording, depending where you are, uh, along with Mark Donaldson for, I guess maybe, is it our, our biggest show since the statement special? Why? I've been away for like 10 days. What's happened? <laughs> Everything has happened. Oh. So, yes, we, we have a big show today, um, and... It's not a big show because we've had two matches. It's a big show because of the Thursday uh, late afternoon sort of dinner time uh, update from Heart of Midlothian that there has been a change in the managerial post with Craig Levine being removed from his duties, which I suppose has been a long time coming. Yes, some people are never happy, and they're saying, well, I should have done this ages ago. Yes, they should have done, but they didn't. We could still be sitting here previewing a semi-final, moaning about the fact that still nothing has been done. Mm -hmm. Glass glass half full or glass half empty? I'll take the the glass half full. The right decision has been made, regardless that it was made this week, when it perhaps in our eyes could have been made a while ago. Uh, I'll not be one of those, yeah, but type people. Um, we've got plenty to discuss today, so let's get into it. Yes, indeed. We had um, good emails from the likes of Douglas Begg and Scott Coburn, as well as a number of tweets that came through prior to the, the news that Craig Levine had been removed from his post. So unfortunately, all these good messages and bits of feedback are a bit irrelevant now, um, because the decision was made by the club on Thursday afternoon, as mentioned, and that affects both Craig Levine's job as head coach and effectively as director of football, which has changed the complexion of this show. Um, there's also been the two games that I mentioned, and we could talk about the fact that Hearts were second best for 40 minutes against the 10-man Livy side. We could talk about the fact that Hearts failed to create a clear chance over 90 minutes against the league's then-bottom side. The fact that they gave the then-league's bottom side their first clean sheet of the season. And the fact it took... Five months maybe too long to make a change at the club, but there wouldn't be much point in that now because the decision has been made better late than never. We could also stick the boot in on Craig Levine, but I don't think it's the time for that either, regardless of how it ended up. His intentions were always good and I suppose in the end just wasn't up to it. We could also reminisce about some of the high points for Craig Levine at Hearts, but I also don't think it's the time for that. Uh, right now, we're moving forward, and I think the attitude should be one of drawing a line under what has happened and working on what has yet to come. Do you agree? I agree to an extent. Okay. Um, I, I draw a line under it. Yes, however, we will be no better if we don't learn lessons from mistakes oh, of course, of that have course. been made of up until now. There are three words, and I was trying to come up with a statement, a, 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 a phrase that I think would best sum up the situation that we're in now and going forward, that would get everyone back on board. Now, ultimately, everyone will not be back on board the way that they were Mm -hmm. for either quite some time or never after what's going on. However, this is the phrase that I have come up with that I think best sums up the situation we are in now going forward. We have to unify through quality. We have to unify... A fan base that is at its wit's end. Some will have been appeased by what they saw and what they heard and what happened over the past 24 hours. Others will still be like, I'm not going back until I see a marked improvement. And they are within their rights to do so. Because what we, me from afar, you guys every single week, you guys and girls who've who've been to the games, what we have witnessed has been awful. It's been eye-bleeding, boring, dull, against the sides that most Hearts fans expect their team to perform better against. It's been better against the bigger sides, but that's not been good enough. There's been too many excuses. And I know you said you wanted to draw a line, but it's important we put out what's gone wrong so that we don't make the same mistakes Mm -hmm. again. We would like better football, which is not a given. 
Uh, we will discuss in this podcast, <coughs> excuse me, who's who's next, who could be next, who might not be next because they'll they'll be ruled out, and the structure in place for deciding who is next. But ultimately, we need to unify through quality. Very well put. So we will talk about two things. I think two main uh, topics for today and. If you're a regular listener, you'll know that that doesn't mean there won't be a few tangents in there. But I think it's going to be interesting to, first of all, look at the potential candidates to uh, replace Craig Levine um, and their potential attributes, uh, history, whether they are a likely candidate to get the job or not. And a look ahead to this Sunday semi-final with Rangers. So, first up, uh, Mark put the question out on Twitter, who should replace Craig Levine, and got quite a few responses. Uh, so we're going to look at those and uh, we're going to marry that up with McBookie's odds, which came out on the Thursday evening for the most likely candidates in their eyes to be the next Hearts manager. Uh, so Matthew Leslie uh, messaged attaching a Jack Ross article about Levine letting him go from Hearts and said, this lad, a free agent, knows the club setup and will have a point to prove. Jamie Devlin also listed Jack Ross as one of his three candidates for the job. Uh, Craig said Jack Ross is free and now that Levine won't be there, it makes me wonder if it's already agreed with that stipulation. And uh, Phil Fielding also said, uh, please God, not Jack Ross. Uh, read Sunderland Forum's slow Predictable build-up, constant cross-field passes, no creativity, underperforming for budget. Does that sound familiar? So, you know, some contrasting ideas on, on Jack Ross as a candidate. He was priced up by McBookie initially as the 3-1 to favourite for the Hearts post-43 years of age. And what I'm going to do, Mark, sorry, before I go in, with each of the candidates, I'm going to give you a little profile and then I hand over to you to, I think, say, would he be a good choice in your eyes, and how likely you think the club would actually appoint them. Okay? Is that okay? That is fine. Okay, so Jack Ross, 43 years of age, spent just over a year as Hearts under-20s manager, uh, finished 15th, third bottom in the development league then in his full season in charge, although it was a very difficult period after the youth team was decimated, basically by the entire bunch of good youth players having to move into the senior team. Uh, moved to Alloa in the championship in December 2015 after leaving Hearts, and although he couldn't stop them from being relegated that season, he started the next season strongly, and their performances led to St Mirren bringing the manager back to the club where he had played for two years, led St Mirren to an impressive championship title, finishing 12 points ahead of Livingston when PFA Scotland Manager of the Year, and that led to Sunderland coming in for him. So, first full season at Sunderland, he lost the League One playoff final to Charlton. Uh, that was just in the summer just past, and didn't start this season strongly enough, leading to his sacking on the 8th of October with Sunderland in sixth. Uh, you look at his respective win rates, 38% at Alloa, 52% at St Mirren, 51% at Sunderland. Um Looking at his success, I guess, on the pitch, St Mirren, he was a big success. He was known for playing quite attacking, passing football at that time. Apparently had quite strong man management and the dressing room was a very positive one. Sunderland, however, was a different ball game. He had the division's largest budget. Um, many of the grumbles, though, from Black Cats fans were similar to Hearts fans with Levine, which is what Phil Fielding was mentioning. I, I had a look on some of the articles and forums and he was accused of being too cautious at times tactically against sides which Sunderland were expected to kind of take the game to, didn't play a particularly attractive football at times, and he started the preseason with a 3-4-2-1 formation, but that was abandoned at the start of this campaign after just the second game. And what I read, and this is obviously just other people's opinions because I don't really watch Sunderland, the players never looked quite at ease or in tune with the systems he was trying to get them to play. So some mixed... I guess, a mixed bag in terms of what Jack Ross has achieved so far, but still fairly young in his managerial career. He's down as the favourite. In your eyes, would he be a good person for the job? Yes, he would. I think with, with these uh, candidates that you have mentioned, we, we do one of two things. They're either shortlisted or not shortlisted mm -hmm. for the Hearts job. Um, because I'm sure there'll be a few that we will say, yeah, they're, they're good candidates. Jack, for me, uh, Jack Ross, for me, would be shortlisted couple of things about 
about this. During his time at Hearts, there were, he, he reminded me a little bit about the way his, his team was, the young players were playing. And and he reminded me a little bit of Robbie Nielsen. And I kind of thought, mm-hmm. this this is a guy who potentially, if they were, were going to stick with the structure, could be a guy who, within a few years, might be number one. And I was frustrated when he left, however he left. That's one thing. Two, life is about many things, including who you listen to and what you believe. Jack Ross. Oh, I heard something about him. No, no, I can't even give me that. You heard something about him. There was a lot of speculation around mm-hmm. when, when he left. Just all I'm saying about this is be careful what you believe. The other thing is, oh, no, apparently Sunderland team wasn't very good. I heard from, from my pal. Or they, just do some research. Educate yourself. Be better educated. If you're coming up with a statement like my pal said, watch it yourself. This isn't 1975 where you get one game a week on a Saturday night and an FA Cup final live. You can watch pretty much any game of football you want at a high level. So why don't you watch it and make a decision for yourself? If you think that, yeah, I didn't fancy the way that his team played, fine. Then you can say, I've seen him. I've seen his team, rather than my pal said. So this laziness, this ill education, just do something about that and educate yourself a little bit more. If you come out with statements like my pal said, be better than that. He was very good at St. Mirren. He was very good at Aloha. He, he, he has a, 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 a career now. He's a better manager. I mean, you don't show me a successful manager who's not had failure in his career. This is a learning curve, and it has been, and he's learned a lot from, from his time at Sunderland. So Jack Ross, for me, is certainly someone who should be considered. He's someone who, crucially, is available right now, having been paid up by Sunderland mm-hmm. without having to pay compensation. So he is, right now, top of my list. Okay, top of your list. We'll have a look at some other candidates. So Anne Waddle mentioned Austin McPhee in uh, one of her three picks for the job. And of course, Austin McPhee is currently interim manager and will take the team for Sunday's semi-final against Rangers. Uh, McBookie priced him up as uh, joint second favourite at 5-1. to one. Now, Austin McPhee is 40, so again, a fairly young person in managerial terms. Uh he has been with the club since he joined as Ian Cathro's assistant in 2016. He's been assistant boss in both of the last two failed regimes, really. Uh, he's also still Northern Ireland assistant as well. Apparently an excellent coach and analyses the game very well, shown by the fact he worked his opposition analysis for the likes of Mexico at the 2014 World Cup. But has he been part of the problem problems recently? Could he be a boss? The only team he's actually managed in his own right before... Uh, was also Hearts, but Cooper Hearts, who he guided to the Fife Amateur Cup in 2008. How likely or how good a candidate? So first of all, would you shortlist Austin McPhee for the position? I cannot answer that right now, uh, quite simply because I will decide in a month or six weeks. That is when we decide. This is something we don't have to rush into. No. This is something that's about being right, not being fastest. This is the perfect social media analogy. If you're going to tweet something, just make sure you're right rather than you're quickest. Because a lot of the time when people are quick, they're wrong. So Austin McPhee right now has an opportunity starting on Sunday against Rangers at Hamden to put his case forward. Will we see much of a difference? I don't know. I can't answer that right now. So will Austin McPhee end up on the shortlist? I cannot answer that right now. Ask me again in a month. Okay. I'll give you my um, opinion in a moment, but I think it's worthwhile me going to the next person I'm going to talk about before uh, because it's kind of slightly linked. Uh, also joint second favourite with the initial odds, odds from McBookie, 5-1, uh, to one, John Daly, who, uh, 36, so obviously very young, former Dundee United and Rangers striker, of course joined Hearts as coach of the under-20s, in January 2016, that was when uh, Robbie, and then when Robbie Nielsen had departed, sorry, he and Andy Kirk took joint charge temporarily, and he was also made interim manager in August 2017 after Ian Cathro was sacked. 
when he was interim boss on his own, he had four matches in charge. He lost 4-1 at Celtic Park, 2-1 away to Motherwell, in addition to recording a 1-0 victory away to Kilmarnock, drawing 0-0 at Ibrox in a backs-to-the-wall display. In your eyes, uh, is he someone who should be shortlisted? No. No. Cheap option would not unify. Might be quality, we don't know. It's a gamble, it's a risk. Of course all appointments will be, but no. If we were to appoint John Daly as Hearts next manager, there, I guarantee you there would be pretty much uniformity of, really? Yep. That's the best that we can do? Now, he may go on to be a wonderful coach, but now is not the time for him mm-hmm. to take on this role. Away, away he goes and, and does something well, and good luck to the kid if he goes elsewhere and, and is successful there. This is not the time to appoint someone like John Daly, so no for me. Okay. What you? You, most of what you've just said is exactly how I would uh, feel, how I do feel about both John Daly and Austin McPhee. I don't think it's the time for either of them. And even if Austin McPhee uh, has an incredible run as interim boss, I'd still be very wary of taking that as um, a, a sign that he should be made full-time manager. And I think just looking at Ole Gunnar Solskjaer at Manchester United is maybe a, a, just a, a similar sort of example where ju- there, there can often be that immediate upturn in fortune when there's a change. We've seen it, so, you know, the, the new boss, the new manager bounce. Yep. Thing, things change, so immediately players, suddenly the shackles are off, and for whatever reason, whether it's because they're suddenly fearful that, oh, Christ, it's a new guy, I've got to impress them, or whether there was just that real gloom and doom under the previous boss, suddenly it changes, and it's often that kind of honeymoon period where it's just because it's different, things start to work, and it doesn't always work long term. Austin McPhee, again, similar to what you said about John Daly, he may well prove to be a fantastic manager at some point in his career. But two big things worry me about it is, one, we don't know that yet, even if he does well as interim boss, it's a big risk. And two, I think many people will feel he's still strongly linked to the problems that were at the club before because he has been a constant under both Cathro and Levine and it hasn't worked under either of them, which is maybe... Maybe it's unfair to beat him with that stick because he's just part of that coaching team. But I think we need to ideally have a kind of fresh start. And I think that will still be hanging over us a bit, possibly, with one of those two. I agree. So, Jack Ross I have on the shortlist. Austin yep. McPhee to be decided. But even if he ended up on the shortlist, he'd still be a distant yeah, second, sure. third to, to whoever. And John Daly, no. So that's three. Who else? Okay, so let's see some more messages. Flitch says, Robinson from Motherwell, perhaps. Very good with the youngsters coming through. Revel in time uh, also mentioned Stephen Robinson. Ian Lenny picked Jack Ross and Stephen Robinson as his choices. And so did Adam Corlett. They see Ross and Robinson are the obvious candidates and Stephen Robinson was also priced up as joint second so three bosses potential bosses were priced up at five to one by McBookie um, Stephen Robinson so let's have a look at him 44 years of age was manager of Oldham Athletic briefly before moving north and becoming Mark McGee's first team coach less than two weeks later he became interim boss when McGee departed and was subsequently made permanent manager in March 2017 and um, Despite a pretty dismal 21% win rate at Oldham over 33 games, he's already got, I would say, relatively an impressive 46% win rate at Motherwell when you consider budget in the league. Um, Led the club to two cup finals in his first full season in charge. Um, First time they'd appeared in both finals in the same season since the 50s. Uh, They finished 7th in 2017-18, one point behind Hearts. And last season they finished 8th, which saw them finish on the same points as Hearts, but obviously in different Uh, splits of the division Um, but right now they are sitting in third in the table interestingly his style of play has evolved quite a bit at Motherwell they appear more attacking and uh, attractive this campaign they were very physical combative and maybe slightly more cautious when he first came in now they still still have that quite a physical element to how they play but they do seem to be more expansive and uh, forward thinking this campaign and it served them well he is, however, contracted until 2022, though, at Fir Park, which could play a factor. So, Stephen Robinson, should he be shortlisted? Yes, he should be shortlisted. However, 
I'm led to believe that the cost would be at least 100,000 as compensation. Okay. I'm also led to believe that he would want to bring in pretty much his entire backroom staff. That would be costly. If you're bringing all them in, you've got to get rid of what you have. Mm -hmm. Plus the compensation for a club who, interestingly enough, and Budge gave uh, all very honest answers um, last night at the dinner, the particular dinner was that, that she was at, that were, uh, she, she was at, was it the foundation dinner? The shareholders. Shareholders dinner, yeah. The shareholders dinner. She had a Q&A afterwards and she gave some interesting um, content in her answers talking about, from, from what I read, and I read a, a transcript earlier today, that they're doing well financially uh, of the figures that are going to come out um, in, in the next accounts. But it became pretty clear from reading that the, that might not be sustainable in the following year. So while the accounting year, which I think I, I believe in the UK, I've not been there for 10 years, but it's still kind of start of April through to the start of April. So if, yeah. if that's still the case, it looks like the, the year ending uh, April 2019, I think it would be, or, or whatever it is, would, would be a very good uh, account. However, from then to now, not so good. Uh, yeah. They have taken they've taken a hit through merchandise, through tickets, yeah, I was sales, say, through hospitality. She, yeah, she mentioned that. Yeah. yeah. So you're talking 100k plus for a guy who wants to bring apparently his backroom staff with him, which would mean getting rid. That's a lot of money. That's a big gamble. That's a big outlay on a, a on a club who's not going to hearts. I'm talking about here who who are not going to announce as good figures in the accounts for next year um, when they're released in 13 months' time. So that's a big call. Would I shortlist him? Yes, but there would be an asterisk with that. He wouldn't be my preferred candidate. If all things being equal, he'd be definitely up there. But there's a big cost involved here. I think we want to spend what we can within our means to get the best available but if I was to, to ask you, Laurie, and we, we haven't had a conversation about this on WhatsApp or, or anything beforehand, what do you think would be approximately the salary that the next Hearts manager would be on? God, that is a, that is a, a testing question. Um, I, I believe that Craig Levine's salary was i've seen some people mention about 200,000 i believe it was about 150,000 however i believe that that was higher than maybe what just a manager would be getting because he was doing a dual role effectively so i don't know if the next boss would be getting as much as that and to be honest if you compare that to you know people have talked about Derek McInnes if what a lot of journalists have told me and not just tabloid journalists Derek McInnes was on, is on more than four times that. He's on a meant to be on a crazy salary at Pataudry. Oh, he, he he's worked it brilliantly with the Sunderland and the Rangers interest. Yeah, I mean, so he, he's he's he's, on, he's an anomaly. Yeah, he's on crazy money. But I, I this is this is not based. And I I have to have to state this is not based on any inside knowledge at all. Because this is all based on as a fan and what people talk about. I can't imagine it be more than a hundred grand a year, and that's probably. That's me maybe pushing it to the higher limits. I don't, but I don't know. This is really guesstimating. I don't know if that's similar to what you might be thinking. I don't know, and that, and this it is, might not be. This it is... might not be anywhere near that. I don't know. It could, and you could be talking about a, a more bonus, uh, a bonus structured kind of deal. I, I really don't know. It's not something I have any inside knowledge. No, on, of or course. At all. The, reason, so the reason I ask is, is, is because there's going to be a shortlist made up, regardless, and we'll get back to. Um, Stephen Robinson in a minute because Stephen Robinson he might be on six figures just might be on about 100k I think Levine was probably on more than that and I think the budget for the next Hearts this is all thinking this is me gaining info from various people putting everything together and, and coming up with an opinion mm -hmm. I think Craig Levine's I don't know maybe 2 to 250 to to 300 all in um, don't, I think, don't I think his base salary wouldn't be more than 150 to 200. But yeah, I, again, I, I, that's I think, just hearsay, I suppose. So it's... I th okay, I, th I think going forward, the most hearts are probably going to pay most to get 
the best candidate they think they can get within their spin is probably about 300k. Probably not as much as really? that. Now, really? Think about it. If you can get a guy who is not coming with compensation, what would you rather do? Would you rather spend 100k compensation and 150 plus 50 for a backroom staff? There's there's 300k. I'm, I don't think they would pay that. I think that's the, that is the upper the upper limit. Now, bearing in mind that Ian McCall, when he was at Dundee United many years ago, we're talking mid 90s, mid to late 90s, was on 300 grand. It's very, very different now. Yeah, I mean, but the re- even even the even the Burley time was that not even only a three hundred grand base salary? Oh no! Look, I, I'm talking here that this is a figure that would be you when when you're putting in place a, a structure of right who we're we going to get now. You have to have a, a top top upper limit of sure, right. We're sure. not we're not going to bother. That is up there. I'm not saying Hearts are going to pay three hundred grand for the next manager. I think that's highly unlikely, but. If you want to obtain someone, uh, you can't say, right, right the, the, it's 150. That's the max we're going to pay. Because you've got a lot of people you're then ruling out purely based on that. Now, a little bit of homework that I did with this. We've had people say, oh, what about Chris Hutton or, or someone like that? Now, when Chris Hutton was at Brighton and Hove, uh, <coughs> excuse me, Albion, end of season, um, Summer 2018, his salary at Brighton was 525000 That would have been base salary. Mm-hmm. There would have been a heck of a lot of things on top of it. That is what you're talking about. That's out of Hearts ballpark. It's out of Hearts league. It's great to say, why don't we push the boat out for, for Chris Hutton? Hearts are working to a structure, a financial structure and a yeah. budget. While someone like Chris Hutton or someone of that ilk, Eddie Howe was only on half a million, right? That'll be more now. But Hutton was on 525. That is double what Hearts are probably going to pay top end mm-hmm. for their next manager. So this is when we're putting this shortlist together. Now, Steve, Stephen Robinson, say he's on 100K, okay? He wouldn't come for less than, I don't know, 150 or, or some, something like that. And I don't even think he maybe is on 100K at Motherwell. That would be probably their top. These are all discussions that are going to take place. What's yeah. he on? How much would he take? How much can we afford compensation? John Robertson at Inverness Caledonia Thistle will get to him shortly. There would be compensation involved of 50,000 to get him. There would be compensation involved of 100K to get Stephen Robinson. Mm-hmm. So, yes, he would be on my shortlist, but right now, no, because of what he would cost as a package. Okay. I, I know what you're saying. I think the problem with some of the the financial stuff is we are, I guess, making assumptions and kind of I, I want to call it educated guesses, but maybe not even as far as that sometimes. So it's hard to say. I, I My guess would be that we wouldn't pay as high as what you're saying. But again, I could be wrong. And there is that consideration. I think what you're saying is quite a good point that if you had a figure in mind, and it's the same when you're signing a player, maybe less so for Scottish teams because they don't usually pay transfer fees anyway. But um, if you have a manager who's going to cost 200 grand up front, but take a, a small wage then you might have to say well that's going to cost us the same as this other manager who's going to cost double the wage but we actually have no compensation so you guess you weigh up the whole package if over a two-year deal for instance the the manager who's got more experience and demands a higher wage costs the same as the manager with less experience a lower wage but a higher compensation then you could say that that's the same value to us same with a player who maybe you have to pay 100 grand for transfer fee lower w- wages but you can get another player who's double the wages but no transfer fee that type of idea so there's a lot of factors to consider so i don't want to get bogged down too much in the finances when we don't i guess know enough about it but it's i know it's a valid point it's a valid point what what i want to say is most of the time in life you get what you pay for okay there's a fair chance without knowing um personal salaries that that gary Locke was on a five-figure salary at hearts because he wasn't going to turn that down yeah. You could get so someone. Is, so is John McGlynn. I mean, from what I yeah, heard, of, John of McGlynn course. was on like a, I want to say, a, a normal person's kind of wage. Yeah, exactly. It would be a normal salary with, with big incentives. That would be the, He's not going to turn it down. Gary Locke wasn't going to turn it down. When Robbie Nielsen took over, he would have, he would have been on a, a salary that was commensurate with, with his experience. And it, it's easy for, for any um, owner or boss of, of any job in the world to pay low salary um, for, for a high title. So you could, you could get someone for 75 grand. If you, if you want to scrimp and save and, and do that, then fine. But they've got to weigh up. Do they want quality? 
or quantity. What and one thing which I'm just kind of really thinking about now, which maybe maybe should have really detailed more, is actually the fact. Um, one thing that Amber just said is that interim boss will report to her, um, and new boss will as well. So that director of football role will Gone. be going. So I suppose, you know, I'm sitting here talking about the fact that Craig Levine earned quite a bit more, but he was doing two roles. Well, I, I suppose you could look at the way that the salaries for both head coach and director of football are opened up because you're only going with a manager who will manage the team transfers and report to the board or, or Ram Budge. So, yeah, I, I guess there could potentially be more money than what we'd given to recent head coaches um, because the director of football role will be gone, so there's a bit more freedom in that respect. Um, but we'll move on because uh, Robin Blacklock um, mentioned just who put the ball in the high bees net, and obviously that is in reference to someone who you just mentioned, Mr. John Robertson, who was next in McBookie's list. He was seven to one to be the next Hearts boss. Uh, Fifty-five now, Mr. Robertson, second spell at Inverness Cali Thistle after returning in 2017. Won the Challenge Cup in 2018, reached the playoffs uh, last season, losing to Dundee United. Uh, at the time of recording, third place in the Championship, just four points off top spot, and with a much smaller budget, certainly, than the two Dundee teams. Obviously, Dundee United leading the way at the moment. Um, managed Hearts before, November 2004 to May 2005. 35 uh, games, a 37% win ratio, which is just slightly behind Craig Levine in his second spell, although much better than Ian Cathro's 25%. First spell, I guess the main high was a win away to Basel, but was sacked before the end of the 04-05 season with Hearts in fifth spot. Um, so a mixed bag, I would say, maybe slightly more missed than hit in his first spell at Hearts. Um, and he's a club legend, and that can often be hard to live up to as manager so before we get into that over to you mark is he one that will be shortlisted i would will they don't know um i don't know normally someone who's done really well at a club is 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 kind of held in in high regard and and, and rob always rob is always a legend to, to every hearts fan but but normally it's a case of oh it'd be good if, if we could get our next manager and they had ties to the club We've kind of gone the other way with with Hearts, and a lot of a lot of fans and within the rights are saying, no, no, we we need to look outside of the club. We need to look outside the guys that have got the club ties, like the the Robos, the 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 Locks, um, the Naismiths, and 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 people like that. Now maybe that's because of of what's happened with Craig Levine. People are perfectly entitled to that. If John Robertson is the best available once the shortlist is whittled down. There should be no problem, whether he was a Hearts legend, whether he never played for Hearts before or, or, or whoever. That shouldn't come into it. We're going for best available out there. Robbo is probably not the best available out there, but he's certainly someone I would want to be on my shortlist. It's interesting that you talk about that affinity with the club. How important is that? Because you know, Craig Levine obviously has a lot of feelings towards Hearts. He's a, he's a big Hearts man. and So do he, I, but I would and, never make a good Hearts manager. Ex exactly what I was going to say, and I don't know if that emotion has clouded a lot of people's judgment, including maybe his own, in terms of obviously the way it went, it just, it, it wasn't working for such a long time, and I wonder if it would have been allowed to play out for such a long period if it wasn't for that, I guess, link with the club before. In your eyes, Mark, how important, or is it important at all to to know or to, to, to have a, an affinity and a, an awareness of what the club is like and, and the history and how it's run. Does does it matter at all for this kind of thing? matters a little bit, but not, not as much as a lot of people make I mean, out. does it matter Rob... more than... I mean, knowing the... Sorry to cut you off there, but I, I mean, obviously knowing the... Um, I think knowing the league um, and, and the players and the division, etc., that is obviously plays a part, I think, naturally. But would, for instance, um, if we take away your opinions on or the finance side of it, so Stephen Robinson knows the league well, he's played in the league, he'll know Hearts, I suppose, reasonably well from scouting and playing against them. Um, if Stephen Robinson uh, was a big Hearts man who'd played for them, managed them, or grown up a Hearts fan or whatever, versus Stephen Robinson being actually non-Scottish, no link to Hearts, would it make any difference? to his 
ability or his um, candidacy, if I can get my words out, for the role? Only in the eyes of the supporters, because it would probably give them a little bit longer if things were going wrong sure. um, d- during their tenure. Look, if, if Stephen Robinson and John Robertson were the last two, and money was no object, well, if money was no object, they, they, they wouldn't be the last two. But but if neither were, were due compensation, their, their clubs, and Robert would cost 50000 That's That's still 50000 mm-hmm. uh, Robinson would cost around 100000 plus whatever. If it was a straight Robinson or, or, or Robo, I, I'd probably go Robinson. Now, after the... I, I would agree. I, I just, I, I think, and, and this is where it's, it's interesting for me to speak as, as someone who knows people in the game, having worked with them and, and built up friendships with some, and putting aside those kind of feelings, because I built up a relationship with Craig Levine um, during my time in Scotland, with, with Stephen Presley, with, with John Overson. I got on with some much better than others. I've still got a lot of people I keep in touch with there. So I've, I've got to put aside the feelings and the, the kind of... It's like being a, a, a journalist and, and doing your pals a, a favour um, because you know them well and, and helping them out. You, you've got to be objective uh, at times. And that's why I, I can't put personal feelings into to thoughts. Mm-hmm. I'd love to see Robbo back at Tynecastle. He's my idol. He's my hero. He's the guy I grew up worshipping. But this you've, you can't allow that to cloud your business judgment. I'm putting myself... And other Hearts fans are putting themselves in the position of Ann Budge and others. This isn't about favouritism. This is about who's going to be the best for Hearts, who's going to play better football. Now, the way Hearts have been playing football, I think you could probably get a guy off the street um, right now to 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 be. A, and I, I feel I feel for Craig Levine. I feel for Craig Levine because Craig Levine is someone that put his heart and soul into that football club. But Craig Levine, Levine's stubbornness ultimately kept him in the job for, for, for longer and his, his, his ability to play the game and convince the owner allowed him to stay longer. Um, I, I feel for him because ultimately he wasn't good enough. Times have changed. He was good enough back when to get a job at Leicester. He was good enough back when to get the job at Scotland, regardless of who he, who he was up against. He, he got those jobs. Sadly, he's not good enough anymore to do a manager's job. But we've said on many occasions on this podcast, you put us, anybody listening to this, any Hearts fan, in the same position, we'd be exactly the same. We would fight tooth and nail to remain in our our, our, our job that we've we've always wanted, our, our kind of, our dream job. Was it Craig Levine's dream job? I don't know, but it was certainly a job that he was very passionate about. But we, we move on now. We've made mistakes. We should have moved on earlier. We didn't. We are where we are now. But we cannot allow ourselves to be oh, he played for Hearts or whatever, uh, it might only buy someone a, an extra few games if, if they were in trouble. That's that's the only importance I would put on on having a past. I think knowing the league is far more important than having an affinity with the football club. And both Robbo and Stephen Robinson know the league. Let's have a look at some other candidates. Sam Moncur got in touch and said, someone who plays attacking football and who doesn't play a negative style of play. Big appointment needed, whoever it is, and we'll need to get someone who gets the fans back on board. No names immediately jumping out, but would say Michael O'Neill if we could afford him. So Michael O'Neill is actually next in McBookie's list uh, at 10 to 1. Um, 50-year-old, lives in Edinburgh, has been Northern Ireland boss for eight years now with McPhee as assistant. Is on quite a lucrative contract, though. Um, club-wise, he was boss of Brecon City and Shamrock Rovers. Uh, no questioning his credentials as an international manager. Huge improvement at Northern Ireland, qualifying for the Euros in 2016. Their first Euros, first major tournament in 30 years as well. Um, even got through to the second round, of course, at Euro 2016. A well-organised team, big on team spirit and camaraderie. Hard-working, hard to beat. Um, if we look at his, some of his, his ratios, I mean, Brecon City, 43% in 114 games, Shamrock Rovers, 55% in 151 games, Northern Ireland a bit less, 37% in 70 games, but international football, and given the country he was in charge of, is a, a very different ball game. For me, I, I think this one might just have to be written off because I just don't think financially it could work out, but I'll hand over to you, Mark, to see if you think it would be something that would, or someone who would be shortlisted. You could have said 
um, with regards to that, Pep Guardiola. You could have said any of the top managers, Jurgen Klopp. The reason being, out with our league, whether it's a couple of hundred grand outside our league, whether it's a couple of million outside our league, whether it's 20 million outside our league. Good manager, don't get me wrong, great what he's done with, with Northern Ireland. Scotland should have appointed him before they appointed Alex McLeish and made yeah. a right arse of that. Um, but but not for me, because there's no point in wasting... T- this is about spending time analysing contenders and candidates within the budget. Okay. He's not within the budget. His his salary is, is ridiculous. Uh, he's on nearly a million a year at Northern Ireland, which <laughs> sounds crazy, but he's way outside our ballpark. So stick him in the bin with... Uh, with Pep Guardiola and the others of, of the kind of wishful list, but he's not on the short list. He's on the wish list. Okay. Also 10 to 1 with McBookie. I'll, I'll see if this goes the same way with you. Uh, Steve McLaren, uh, 58, has been a manager for 18 years now, managing the top flight in England, with England internationally, of course, with Twente in the Netherlands, winning a shock title, with Wolfsburg in the Bundesliga, uh, Forest, Derby, Newcastle, Derby again, QPR recently. Um, recent times, 35% win rate with QPR, 45% with Derby, and a pretty dismal one with Newcastle, 23%. Was in contention, apparently, to succeed um, Ian Cathro. Uh, was shortlisted then, apparently, but then not considered. Uh, I think another move came up. Often thought of as a good coach, but maybe not as impressive as a tactician, and has been sacked for quite a few of the jobs he's had. Straight to you, Mark. Um, shortlisted. No, but I'm not averse to Hearts thinking outside the box. Okay. I'm not averse to Hearts thinking of someone down south or someone elsewhere. And I know I said I would rather they have success, uh, prior success or knowledge of the league. Stevie Clark didn't at Kilmarnock. Uh, I know he was Scottish, but he'd never managed up here. And, and he was excellent. We, I think we're looking for, ideally, we're looking for a Stevie Clark type if we're not staying north of the border. Someone who can come up and and perform miracles like Stevie Clark did. It's easier said than done. I think someone like Steve McLaren, uh, not for me, but I'm not averse to... I remember being at Easter Road for a press conference with Tony Mowbray when he walked in. No one knew. It was said, normally you get a, a, a guide beforehand. He walked in and it was like, whoa, that's left field. Mm-hmm. Left field is a gamble. Uh, left field, Hibs have done that a lot. And a lot of them have worked. But Hecking Bottom hasn't worked. That was left field. So there's... There, there's a big decision to be made ahead. I don't think that shortlist contains Steve McLaren, though. Okay. Uh, looking slightly longer odds, and this is one that uh, we'll look at a couple of messages. Ian Horsborough says, uh, I would like to see the club aim high. However, anyone can win matches. Some big names uh, being branded about, uh, maybe out with the budget, but David Moyes would be a statement of intent. Um, Simi says, I said this before and was shot down. I still maintain that David Moyes can be lured to the club. So 12 to 1, as I mentioned, um, David Moyes, 56, Glasgow born, but never managed in Scotland yet. Uh, very successful with Preston and Everton. That earned him the move, of course, to take over from Sir Alex at Manchester United. Obviously didn't go well. Um, a 53% win rate with a club of that size is pretty poor, but um, trying times. And has struggled really since then. Disappointing spells at Real Sociedad, Sunderland, and most recently West Ham, where he left May last year. Heavily linked to the Celtic job, a club where he started his playing career. Um, I'm not sure if this is one that's going to be in the affordable category. I would probably say no. Um, Hand over to you, though, Mark. I would have him on my shortlist if he fell within the boundaries of possibility. Okay. He is someone who is a good manager. Um has had his his failings. Fine, <laughs> we all have. No one's perfect. I think it would be a statement of intent. Let's let's cut to the chase here. There is not one person, apart from Pep Guardiola, maybe Pep Guardiola, but not one um, person who is potentially likely to come to the club who fits in with our wage structure and mm-hmm. and money available. Who will unify one hundred percent? Remember, right at the start, I said I want unify through quality. The unify comes with trying to get everyone back on board. The quality comes with on the park. To unify uh, fans, 100% of them is impossible. You've got to try and maximise what you unify. Someone like Davy Moyes, yeah, I, I think 
you kind of get the you do the test, the facial expression test, or the the first noise or word that comes out your mouth, and you just say to someone, "Okay, Davy Moyes." I think hard sounds would be like, huh. a lot of them would be, huh, or grumpy face. But Davy Moyes would be an intrigue factor. I'd put him on my short list, but he'd have to be willing to work within our parameters. Yeah. I think the thing we have to remember as well here, Laurie, is when we are searching for a new manager, we need to play on the fact that Hearts are based in Edinburgh. Edinburgh is one of the best cities in the world, not just in Scotland or in the UK to mm-hmm. live in. The amount of people over here in the 10 years I've been in this country ask where I'm from. Oh, that's my favourite favorite city in, in Scotland or the UK. Um, Edinburgh is the one of the biggest things that can attract someone to hearts. The lifestyle in Edinburgh. It's like, it's like Newcastle or Middlesbrough or Sunderland trying to get a Premier League player in. They're probably going to have to pay more. Uh, back in the day, I think it's different now because they can all pay fortunes. But you're going to be living in the northeast. You're going to be away from the hubbub. In Edinburgh, you've got everything on your doorstep. Uh, if you wanted to Glasgow, then you, you've got that. If you wanted Loch Lomond or 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 Glen Eagles or whatever, you're you're within travel distance of being in Edinburgh. So that might be a, an appeal. It might be an appeal to David Moyes, but he'd have to fit in with. We wouldn't go chasing him if he if he wasn't going to fit into a structure, a financial structure we had in place. Yeah, of course, he's been accustomed to. English top flight or La Liga finances recently, so very different ball game at Hearts. I mean, style-wise, you think about him, he was quite physical and direct with, with Everton, which was arguably, I think, his most successful period. You know, Maro and Fellaini often up front on his own there, kind of wide players try to do well. I don't know, it might be a, a, a kind of approach if he did go down that way that would maybe work for the Hearts support and the Hearts fans. Uh, I know that there's, I guess, the physical aspect has always been there quite a bit with the players that we've um, employed especially under Craig Levine so I, I'm with you in that sense I would be interested in Moyes I would just be very sceptical if he'd fall within what we could offer given what he's had previously but I guess if it's a manager like a Moyes or even a McLaren maybe especially these bosses who are out of work and haven't done well recently who need maybe a kick start and think right well god look at that squad look at that league I could surely propel them to top three or four. That might me get, get me back in the eyes of some half-decent English teams, whereas, I guess, a Michael O'Neill, even if you take away the money side, he's in a, a good job where he's pretty safe. So, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll both agree with that one if it's possible. The, the other thing, Laurie, I've got no issue at all of a manager wanting to use Hearts as a springboard to a better job. No, same with the, players, the only yeah. way, 100%. The only way you're getting a better job is you, if you perform at Hearts. So, yep. Bring it on. Hearts are not the be-all and end-all. Hearts are not a Real Madrid or Barcelona. Hearts are a team that, that players and managers should be using to further their career. Because if they do, then that means they've been successful. And if they're successful at Hearts, then all the better. I think I think most clubs in the world actually fall into that category, even if, Probably, yeah. even if maybe some, um, for instance, another Scottish club, uh, can't get over themselves when a, a manager who's done very well decides to make a move, which whatever you think of the club he's going to is a, a bigger job at the time. Um, we, we know who I'm talking about. Anyway, um, Tom Chapman says, Holt from Livingston, who is uh, also, same as David Moyes in the McBookie, uh, odds 12-1 to 1 for the Hearts job. 46-year-old Gary Holt, former Killian Norwich midfielder, Joined Livy early last season to replace Kenny Miller, having spent the previous two years out of the game completely. Prior to that, he'd been first-team coach at Norwich, but the only other managerial position was with Falkirk between April 2013 and June 2014. In his full season at Falkirk, they finished third, and they were only three points off Champions Dundee, eh, but lost to Aki's in the playoff. And they were a young side with a lot of energy, a decent passing, attacking approach that season. You know, they had Rory Loy, Craig Sibbald, Blair Olsen, quite a few talented players. Um, 48% win ratio at Falkirk, uh, so far a 33% win ratio at Livy. At the moment doing well, but with a side to maybe play kind of in your face, up against it, maybe less pressure to control the tempo of a game or maybe to dominate sides in certain games that maybe Hearts are expected to at home when teams might come and sit in and soak up the pressure. And there's a big thing with, with Gary Holt that... Um, I'm not sure whether you're aware of or not, or maybe, I don't know if many people are, but this is what I've been informed, is there's a belief that he's not really the fool, the manager as a whole at Livingston. (laughs) Because David Martindale is his assistant, who um, is actually seen as maybe even a bigger part of what Livingston do from a managerial sense. 
he cannot be their manager, apparently due to um, his past, which we won't get into, irrelevant really for this um, discussion, but a, a criminal past basically, which means he cannot be their manager. Apparently, this is what I'm told, and you're maybe going to confirm this or not, Martindale is the man who is the tactician, who looks at players, so signings, uh, a lot of the coaching, a lot of the tactics. Gary Holt is the motivator, the man-manager. So, Gary Holt, 12-1, to 1, but with the maybe the caveat here, he is maybe not... If you're going to sign Gary Holt, possibly, or if you're going to take him, you might need a certain David Martindale to come as well. Not for me. Nope. Uh, okay. I would concur. I've heard a lot of what you've heard. And uh, he, he may be the one who does the post-match interviews, but I'm not convinced he's the one that pulls the <laughs> strings. Let's let's leave it there. So, uh, doing a great job. Who, whoever's doing a great job. Someone's doing a great job at Livingston. Good on them. But uh, not for hearts. Okay. So, time-wise, um, I, I don't want to spend too much longer going through these candidates. So I'm looking at the McBookie odds. So um, I'm, I'm going to cut this back a little bit because we're past the kind of 12 to 1. We're getting to 15, longer than 15 to 1 now. So I'm just going to have a quick um, yes or no if it's a realistic shortlisting for you. Alan Pardew? No. No. I agree. Chris Coleman? No. Paolo Sergio? No. Sam. He, 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 sorry, he, I know, I know we, we're kind of racing through a lot of them now, but I think some deserve a I kind of why. Um, no, that's, a, that's fair. He definitely he, deserves he, a why. He would, he, he, he would be. I mean, I, would I put him on a short list? Depends. I'd put him on a long list. <laughs> I'd, put him on, I'd, put, I'd put him on a long list. Uh, good season. He'd love to come back. Um, not as strong a no as the others. Okay. There you go. I mean, he's go. he's a realistic one, whereas I don't think, like, I don't think Alan Pardew is realistic. Um, I think, and I think Alan Pardew is one of these managers who doesn't seem to matter how bad he does at a club, he will still likely get another Premier League or at least Championship job when it comes up at some point. Yeah, um, I think I think we, we've got to be careful. If we're looking at a long-term project here, um, I, I think it, it should be someone who isn't just in it for a paycheck. The MLS analogy, not someone at the end of their career that's coming over for one last Yahoo. Sure. Uh, let, let's let's put a bit of thought into this. It, it, it's funny because every time a Hearts managerial vacancy comes up, it, it, it reminds me of putting together list A and list B mm-hmm. for Believe the book back in two thousand and six seven that that uh, that I wrote. And it, the the list back then that was a shameless plug for a book that you can't even buy anymore. So it means absolutely nothing. <laughs> I need I need. To, I need to work on the selling a tactic of something that can actually still be bought. I think you can get it for one pence on eBay. But it was really interesting on on on, on the list, and they were all plausible candidates as well. Uh, Bobby, they spoke to Bobby Robson. They spoke to Claudio Ranieri. Neil Warnock was spoken to as well. A lot of of high profile guys were were spoken to about it. It's a totally different era, but now we're we're talking about. Not failed managers, managers with a CV, um, but the, again, the, there's there's no total uniformity of that's the person. This isn't like a Stevie Clark where there was very few dissenting voices when he went to to Scotland from Kilmarnock. Everyone kind of agreed, or most people agreed that mm-hmm. yeah, he, he's the guy for the job. There isn't one of these guys right now. If you if you did a poll, I don't know, we did I did one on on my Twitter account yesterday. If you if you did a poll among everybody. You're not going to get anyone over 50% if you've got 10 guys on the list. That's where we are right now. Okay. So Pardew, Coleman, Sergio, all 16 to 1. Also 16 to 1. Sam Allardyce. No. No. Uh, just making sure that that was <laughs> Stuart McCall's also 16 to 1. Nope. Nope. Um, here's one that comes up a few times. Uh, Tommy Wright, 16 to 1. Not right now. Nope. I think that's a no. kind of strike when the iron's hot, but I don't. I mean. St. Johnson are battlers. St. Johnson are, yeah. are, are are doing well, but not for hard. Doesn't suit. No, I totally agree. Uh, Chris Hutton, you've already mentioned, he's a twenty to one, but I don't think is realistic. Um, and the the final one that we're, we'll get from McBookies is Neil McCann at twenty to one. I spoke with Neil McCann, and I'm not I'm not betraying any confidences here. I spoke with him at the cup final, and said what because what, he he left on Dives. He was doing media work, and he he still does a fair bit of that now in Radio Scotland. Desperate to get back into the game. And again, this is from a conversation in May. 
he was potentially looking at the Livingston job if Gary Holt had gone to Kilmarnock before Alessio was appointed. Um, so he's he's willing to get back in. Um, of course, he'd take the Hearts job. He would love the Hearts job. Uh, but it's a gamble. It's a gamble because of what he did at Dundee or what he didn't do at Dundee. And he'd be on a long list. He wouldn't be on a short list. There's one you haven't mentioned, and I'm not planning. I'm not sure if you're planning to mention it. And it seems an obvious one for discussion. Are you still planning to mention that person, or do you want me to? Go on, Stephen Presley. <laughs> well, what I did was because there's been so many names mentioned, I, I I went through the messages we've got and married it up with the the McBookie odds just to try because obviously you could you could do it for hours going through the the options. Of course, but. Not one that I'd put down there. Um, no, you, you you take the lead in this one then. This isn't me speaking from a personal perspective or anything. This this is me speaking based on the fact that Stephen Presley impressed Anne Budge during his interview. I know that because she told me that. So that's not speculation or, or, or whatever. Um, he's He will be considered. He will be considered. Now, what will happen when he is considered will be the board having to weigh up what that appointment would do to a support. Now, it would not unify a support. Oh, no, definitely not. I'm not even sure it would be a 50 percenter as far as I, I, I kind of I agree or disagree. I think that would be the best that. you could hope for would be a 50-50 split. Yeah. Yes. So, that would be an interesting conversation that Anne would have. Now, last night at the shareholders meeting, I'm going to read you the answer to question seven that she was asked. Who will be helping to search for a new manager? Anne's response. Six board members, two Foundation of Hearts directors, two non-exec directors, and a subcommittee of these will work together and decide if we need any outside help. That decision has been made today while we speak. It's obviously not going to be made public because this is now a private matter that they will take forward um, before appointing a new person, whenever that is. And I don't think it will be in the short term because I want I think they want to see what's out there. And also, I think they feel they're in relatively safe hands right now with, with what they've got. I don't think there's a rush to appoint someone. She also said a few years ago, um, I would have said yes to the outside help. But now I believe we know what we are looking for and know what we want. Craig Levine will not be involved in this process. Now, if she, I say if, she was impressed by Stephen Presley um, at his interview prior to Craig Levine getting the job. So he will be on the shortlist. Would he be on my shortlist? Okay, now we're going back to the personal view against kind of Hearts fans view against journalist view. He should be considered. He should not be appointed based on the fact I want. I cannot come out and say I want unity uh, right at the start through quality. We might get quality, but we wouldn't get unity. Stephen Presley would have to work a lot harder to get fans on side after everything that has gone on beforehand. Rightly or wrongly, the perception, and he regrets that. I know that. He, he regrets what he did, but he didn't apologize at the time, and he should have done. But that's gone. And it's very hard for people to change their mind now. And they won't. So for me, Stephen Presley will be on the shortlist. I'm pretty sure of that. But uh, I may give him the job. I wouldn't based on, on unity. Okay, everyone. It's just Laurie speaking now. Because unfortunately, we came up against some technical difficulties after the last conversation. And... We hadn't realised that the final part of the podcast was only recording my voice. So unfortunately, it's not usable. So uh, I'm afraid we're going to be cutting it a little shorter than we expected. We went on to discuss two final candidates, which were Shelley Kerr and Roy Keane. But ultimately, they weren't deemed worthy of being shortlisted, despite one of them having their odds drastically cut on Friday evening. Following that, we previewed Sunday's semi-final with Rangers, with both Mark and I agreeing that we are in with more of a shout 
following the managerial change. We ended on a positive, looking at the chance to now look forward with some sort of optimism as we herald a new dawn as such at Tynecastle. Apologies that we couldn't bring you the final section of the show, but thank you for tuning in and we will return next week to review the action from Hampden Park and we will avoid any similar technical difficulties. Until then, thank you and goodbye. It's a new day, it's a new life.